days, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. Hey, I'm waiting to start your day. It is Tuesday, the 21st of November, as we edge closer and closer to Thanksgiving. Uh, let's pray an act of love in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh my God, I love you above all things with my whole heart and soul because you are all good and worthy of all love. I love my neighbor as myself for love of you. I forgive all who have injured me and I ask pardon of all whom I have injured. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday. It's the Feast of the Presentation of Mary. We'll have some stuff to say about that as the morning continues. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've also got Travis running the video stream in case you want to see what we look like two days before Thanksgiving. That's in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com, and you can even join the chat on the YouTubes. Up this hour, Father Boniface Hicks has more thoughts on personal prayer. He's, of course, a Benedictine monk. Marlon de la Torre will join us from the Diocese of Columbus. We'll talk to Chris Frank from the Eucharistic Congress about how they've sort of dropped some prices and uh, built some scholarships to help families do what they can to actually attend the Eucharistic Congress. So uh, I I guess you reached out to them and they heard you. So they've got some cool opportunities that will hopefully make it a little bit easier on families to attend. And then Danielle Bean will be along as well, get her pre-Thanksgiving thoughts. Two minutes passed. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has penned a letter expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany, saying that their so-called synodal way is threatening to undermine the unity of the church. The Catholic News Agency reports the Holy Father made the assertions in a letter to four German Catholic laywomen, which was published in the German newspaper Welt today. He said, quote, I, too, share concerns about the numerous concrete steps that large parts of this local church are now taking that threaten to move further and further away from the common path of the universal church, end quote. The White House is working to secure the release of hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. National Security Spokesman, National Security Council Spokesman John Kirby, however, told reporters that more work needs to be done to broker a deal between Israel and Hamas. This comes amid news reports negotiators are nearing a deal to release some of the hostages taken during the October 7th attack on Israel. President Biden also told reporters yesterday he believes a deal is close. More than 200 people were taken hostage by Hamas last month. The newly appointed Archbishop of Holmes, Syria, Julian Morad, has said that a two-state solution is the only way toward a just and sustainable peace in the entire region. 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his comment on the dramatic events of the past five weeks, Archbishop Murad didn't mince his words. If you want to see hell, you have to come to Lebanon, Syria, and now especially to the Holy Land, he said. The Syrian Archbishop, who became internationally known in 2015 when he was kidnapped by the Islamic State in Syria, decried the ongoing carnage of civilians in Gaza as well as the killings and the violent abductions of hostages perpetrated by Hamas in Israel. He emphasized that evil cannot be eradicated by evil. We were shocked and distressed to see bombs drop on hospitals in Homs and Aleppo in Syria. Today, it is happening again in Gaza, he said. Archbishop Murad insisted on the two-state solution advocated by many, as both Israelis and Palestinians, he said, have a right to have a state of their own. Archbishop Murad further noted that Palestinians are victims of violence not only from the Israeli army, but also from other countries, including Arab countries that have their own political agendas. If the world tolerates and justifies this, it confirms injustice and takes away hope, he said, warning that this unresolved question concerns the entire globe. We will be asked to account for the future of the world with all the consequences of war in terms of mass migration, refugees and depletion of vital resources such as water, he said. I am Lisa Zengarini. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. She passed away at the age of 96 Sunday afternoon after being diagnosed with dementia back in March. The Carter Center announced ceremonies celebrating the life of Rosalind Carter will be, starting, will be held starting November 27th in Georgia. The public will be able to pay their respects as she lies in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta that night. A private funeral service will be held November 29th at the Carter family residence in Plains, Georgia. A new poll shows Donald Trump is holding a slight lead over President Biden in the race for the White House. Mark Mayfield has more. The Harvard Caps Harris poll shows Trump receiving 48% support among respondents compared to Biden's 41%. 11% of respondents said they were unsure who to vote for. Trump gained two percentage points since a similar survey conducted in October. Recent polls have shown Trump outperforming Biden in a handful of the critical battleground states. I'm Mark Mayfield. The federal government is investigating an oil spill off the coast of Louisiana. An underwater pipeline may have sent more than a million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. The Third Coast Midstream Pipeline reported a slick Three to four miles wide late last week, about 19 miles offshore with the Coast Guard confirming that yesterday the pipeline has been shut down and several agencies are looking for the source of the leak. And the Philadelphia Eagles stormed back from a 10-point halftime deficit to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs 21-17 Monday night football at Arrowhead Stadium. The Eagles have won four straight and sit atop the NFC at 9-1. and the Chiefs have lost two of their last three games, but still remain atop the AFC West at 7-3. and three. You know, since you mentioned Eagles, well, first of all, I don't have anything to say about oh, I was going to ask. I if, awake. Well, I was going to ask if you thought maybe this is because Taylor's not there. I wouldn't know. You don't know? You don't know? Oh, okay. You mean Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals? No. Is that what you meant? Wrong Taylor. Wrong Taylor. Oh, well. Different Taylor on a world tour right now. 
There you go. I'm. I'm. Oh, is that why Travis? I tell you is what. Out? You don't... No. Oh, is Travis here? <laughs> All I was going to say. I was going to say. I think listeners probably think I'm this huge Swifty. No, you're just mocking it every single time. I mean, and trying to don't get, get me, me wrong. Like, I definitely I enjoy. Long ago, Anna Mitchell, never make fun of famous people because you don't know if you might accidentally meet them, and then you have to answer oh, man. what you said about. I got them. to meet Taylor Swift. That I would haven't be met Taylor, so cool. but I've met some people that I've said some things about that I've been embarrassed to have said. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Please don't read any tweets of mine that I might have made about something that you did that I was confused by. It's a good, it's a good point, Matt. You never know. Good when lesson, you meet somebody. kiddos. Good lesson. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of a book called Personal Prayer. And it is a great handy guide to kind of really get the landscape of Christian prayer. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. So I don't know exactly how uh, I process this. I mean, I sort of know a little bit about how I process this as an evangelical Christian. Um, but this question of praying without ceasing, it's a scriptural principle to pray without ceasing, but some of us got to get our kids ready for school, <laughs> you know, some of us have to, you know, wash dishes, some of us have to sleep at certain points. You probably do this better than most because it's built into your schedule in ways that's not built into other people's schedule, but how in the world does a Christian pray without ceasing? <laughs> well, you certainly have to understand that uh, prayer is is more than just a mental prayer or saying words, you know, or the, uh, the catechism has a really helpful division of the three kinds of, of prayer, uh, vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplation. And then it notes under uh, the, the sort of mosaic description of contemplation that uh, th- this is the kind of uh, prayer that we can do all the time. And then we, lo- we learn that, that prayer, uh, St. Francis de Sales is also helpful with this. He talks about contemplation or contemplative prayer being a loving awareness of God's presence, and Augustine talks about it in terms of desire, and so we have to move away from uh, an understanding of prayer, which is an active effort of the will, uh, and or actively thinking or saying something, to understanding the, the loving awareness. So one can have an awareness of things happening in a room, in their house, in their vicinity, while still thinking about something else. So you could be getting your kids ready for school, and also be aware that Jesus is in your house. Or we can have a desire for someone, for something, at the same time that we're carrying out some other kind of action or thinking about something else. I have that uh, desire for pizza, and I'm fully engaged in my homework at the moment. Um, That's a little bit crass. uh, uh, Jesus is much greater than pizza. But anyway, we can uh I want to cl- clip that. For... We're going to save that sound bite for later. Jesus is much greater than pizza. <laughs> Paul, make a note of that in the time code. <laughs> you heard it from a real monk. So there you go. <laughs> so well, we can have a, a desire to uh, for, for something beautiful to happen later in the day, and yet we're fully engaged in the thing that we're doing now. And, and so through awareness, through desire... Um, and then as we, we talk about in the book, also through vulnerability, having a real openness of heart. I can be undefended, transparent. My heart can be on the surface, we might say. And so 
I'm really open in my relationship with the Lord, and that makes it possible for me to vibrate at the Spirit's touch, which is an expression that John Paul II used in one of his letters uh, describing the intimacy of uh, that we can have in prayer as we grow in our, our relationship with God. So those are some ways to just uh, separate out the idea of prayer from an active thinking, doing, which is also important, of course, but it's the, it's the way that love also has a way of, of permeating. Love is expressed in certain actions. We have to tell our beloved and work for our beloved, but we also can continue loving even beyond those actions. Well, it's interesting uh, because we did sort of try and get at the edges of this. Uh, and I heard preaching on this idea of practicing the presence of God, and I heard that it came from uh, the thought of this guy named Brother Lawrence, which didn't mean much to me because, you know, uh, at prayer meetings, you know, Brother Steve would lead the singing and Brother, uh, you know, Dan would lead the prayer. And, like, we just called people brother. I did not know that Brother Lawrence was actually a a Carmelite lay brother <laughs> in a Catholic monastery <laughs> in the 17th century. Uh, and so I didn't understand that that's the kind of framework that he was coming from, and that he was coming from really ultimately a sacramental worldview. Uh, and I think that that helps put a lot of it together, because if we know that God works through the sacraments in unique and specific ways, through the Eucharist, through baptism, through confession, to me that at least opens an avenue to see him and and look for him everywhere through other things that are not as grace-filled in the same unique way as the sacraments, but still, because they are made by God, uh, that I can still make some sort of connection and, and have an awareness, like a more consistent awareness. I, I'm not saying I'm good at it, but it helps me. Yeah, the, it helps us to tune into what is sometimes called the sacrament of the present moment, uh, the, uh, and as you say uh, very beautifully, that the, the whole world begins to communicate God to us in, in various ways. And so we can become aware of Him in the present moment, that we can become aware of Him through so many other gestures and signs of, of things around us. So what would you say to somebody who would love to try and do a better job of this today, but doesn't know where to begin? <laughs> what would be like some, like maybe one practical thing for them to remember as they head out into the world today and want to figure out, like, how can I, how can I get at this concept of prayer without ceasing? Yeah, I think uh, what you just described is a great starting point, just becoming aware of Jesus in the present moment, uh, that he is with me, and recollecting myself, gathering myself together, and just making an, an act of awareness of, of God's loving presence with me, whatever I'm doing. You're driving in the car, he's sitting in the, the seat next to you. You're walking down the street, he's walking right next to you. He's, everything you're doing, he is with you. And as we do that actively, over, a, over uh, some time, it starts to become uh, habitual. It starts to become part of us. Well, you know, I... Uh... I see those bumper stickers every now and then. You mentioned God in the car with you. I see the bumper stickers that say, God is my co-pilot. And, you know, I often think, if God is your co-pilot, you should switch seats. But not in your actual car. <laughs> like, that would be a bad... Uh, That's right. That would be a bad move. Bad move. You guys going to do anything good at the monastery there in uh, Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving? Well, we have, a, we have a big celebration. We'll have about 100 monks. So I'm always one of the servers for that, which I love to do. 
So we have about a hundred monks and a dozen turkeys, and uh, yeah, it's a really it's a peaceful day. We have a nice evening tonight, even uh, with the uh, just gathering together to, to celebrate. It's uh, a lot of the other people go home, and so it's just the monks here. Normally, this is a pretty busy place, so it's a nice time for us to be together. Well, I mean, a hundred monks and a dozen turkeys doesn't sound that quiet to me, but uh, <laughs> sounds like a great party. You have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Father Boniface. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Matt. Thanks. All right, 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. He is honored by the church as a saint and theologian with the title of Universal Doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Albert the Great was a Dominican theologian, scientist, and teacher of whom it was said that he knew the sum total of human knowledge in his time. He also helped shape the even more brilliant St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor. Albert died in 1280 and was named a doctor of the church in 1931. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has penned a letter expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany and their so-called synodal way. The Franciscans who care for the holy sites in the Holy Land are appealing to the faithful for support so they can support Christians in the Holy Land. And an appeals court has struck down a provision of the Voting Rights Act. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Did you hear that? A hundred monks and a dozen turkeys. A hundred monks and a dozen turkeys. Actually, considering that they are dead (laughs) turkeys, I have a feeling it is actually quite quiet. I mean, if the turkeys were alive, that would be one thing. But monks know how to be silent. Well, it's true. Well, but so does your whole family once the food goes out. You know, once everybody's got their plates, it yeah, does get... That's the fastest way. Actually, that the fast. there's two fastest ways to quiet down people at a meal. Um, Make the sign of the cross. That was That's the first one. Yeah. Is if you're in a room full of noisy people, and uh, this doesn't work for me and my uh, Protestant family, 
So I can't just stand up in a room full of Protestants in Tennessee this week and just be like, in the name of the Father. Like, it won't work. Actually, I would really, won't work. really love for you to try that. You want me to try I- that? <laughs> Actually, the funniest thing, the funniest way that because happened they with would me, all look at you stunned, like, "What are you?" I don't talk doing? about my family much, even though I they probably don't listen. I don't want to do too much embarrassing, but one relative, and I won't say her name or my connection to her. My family tends to hold hands while they pray, and uh, of course, you know they don't do anything with their hands at the beginning and end of prayers. Oh, right. Yeah, well, right at the right. end, they well they do like the hand squeeze sometimes at the end. Oh, of neat. Yeah, yeah. But one person was standing next to me, and nobody asks me about Catholicism. Like right, nobody, right? It I just, mean, it's just awkward. Got it? Right. Yeah. And so this person says to me in a lovely Tennessee accent, "Oh, honey, do you need your hand?" <laughs> we just like she's you know was At not least, ready to oh, grab my hand yet. Like, so oh, do you want to? Sweet. You can't get. I was like, oh, well, How thank you for thinking of her of me. to recognize. And I just responded, "No, don't worry about it. When not in Rome, do as the non-Romans." <laughs> Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. There are people in the Bible whose names we never learn, but their lives are perfect examples of faith. This is true for a father, simply called the royal official. This man comes to Jesus with an urgent request. His son lies sick at home near the point of death. The father rushes off to Cana, some twelve miles from their home in Capernaum by the sea. All the way, he was determined to bring Jesus with him back to his son's bedside in Capernaum, where Jesus would place his hands on the child and heal him. But something truly amazing happens. He comes back without Jesus by his side. And on the way, his servants catch up with him and announce his son is cured. He asked when his son made a turn for the better, and they said, at the hour that Jesus had announced his son would live. The father believes simply on the basis of the word Jesus spoke. We have much to learn from this official and his example of faith. For Sacred Heart Radio... I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre, who is preparing for a very large event in his household this week. And no, I'm not talking about the Thanksgiving feast. I'm talking about the Ohio State-Michigan game. But Marlon, how are you? Good morning, Matt, and definitely go Bucks. <laughs> so uh, I, I won't ask you about your Ohio State-Michigan like appetizer game, but do you have it's any quiet. actual Thanksgiving Day responsibilities in the kitchen? I know you got a house full of kids. I hope some of them get to come home. They do, yeah. We've got three coming home from college, and then a, a nine-year-old still at home. But uh, 
my I I'm simply conductor this time, so they 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 handle all the the necessary things, uh, in the kitchen. I'll I'll be doing the handyman work in the garage and outside. There you go, and hopefully there a little you go. cleanup. If you That's uh, right. if you don't cook, you got to at least uh, at least deal with cleanup. Absolutely. But, so we're gonna be racing towards Advent. I mean, it's it's a blur yeah, of a liturgical year, but we can't mm. get to Advent before we get to the we can't start the new liturgical year until we end the current one and mm. that ends with Christ the king and you've been thinking yeah. about you know this question of Christ as king what have you been reflecting yeah. on you know it, there there's a, there's a sense of relevance when you look at Christ and his various titles messiah lord king and with the pending uh, advent of of Christ the king in preparation for advent uh, there there's a couple of things that we reflect on as we dive into this season one is the fact that there there's relevance in what we do uh, if we place our focus and trust in him there's a filial trust and what i mean by that is just a, a gentle reminder or surrender that that god is good and that in his goodness he gave us his son jesus christ and our lord really manifests that goodness because he acts and is uh word made flesh king and what i mean by that is uh, we're, we're taught to understand that our, our lord has sovereignty over us in a beautiful way and that uh, our lord and savior really presents us in a profound way to seek him when we lose our sense of self when we lose our sense of relevance uh when we lose our sense of prayer and uh, I, I begin with this exhortation on Sirach where he, he tells us very simply, if you come forward to me and remain in justice and fear uh, and prepare yourself for temptation, you're going to be fine. You will be steadfast. You will be able to incline everything that you go through to me if you trust in me. And this really becomes this the, the, the principal beginnings of, of not losing our spiritual relevance and that Christ the King really lays the foundation because only the King would offer himself up for his subjects. Only the king would really place himself before any calamity to protect us from any temptation, any hurt, or anything that may try to lead us away from him. It's such a foreign concept to us, first of all, yep. uh, because there's not that many kings left in the not that many uh, yep. places that have kings as their, you know, the monarchy as their governmental structure. Yep. And I think when we look around at the Democratic Republic you and I live in, we don't think to yep. ourselves, mm. uh, you know, these are uh, leaders full of mercy and mm. self-sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes there are great public servants, right? But yes. we don't think uh, often, like, when a battle happens, our elected officials are going to be out front. No, they're going to be very comfortable somewhere watching a drone do it or, like, sending soldiers. Yes. Like, there's, it's just a very different concept. And so I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this concept of Christ as king, also because— <laughs> We didn't vote for him, right? Correct. He has sovereignty whether we decide to acknowledge it or not. Correct. And because he's omnipotent, because obviously he's not limited by time or space, we we see this mystery that can be understood actually through our senses, our intellect and will, that, that there was a man that walked on this earth that for whatever reason, whether you are a believer or not, whether you are a Catholic or non-Christian or or uh, anything you might proclaim other than God, unfortunately, that this this mystery did occur, and that this man, for whatever reason, claimed to be God, claimed to be King, and yet offered himself up for us. There, those are three beautiful qualities to to really emulate. And for us, say for example, as fathers uh, to our families, we reflect that kingship. 
we're called to really protect our family, our spouses, our children, and to lay our life down for them if necessary, but also lead in virtue, lead in holiness and sanctity. And this is, I think, one of the beautiful elements that we can unwrap on this Feast of Christ at King coming up because it, it really describes the, this beautiful victory of Christ over death, over the devil, over his temptation. It also lays the groundwork to what we're called to be, what we're called to do. Even St. Paul alludes to this in my, in my, in my piece that I wrote, that he calls us that in order to, for us to stay upward towards God, uh, all destruction will come to those who don't, and that we're called to be really joined to him and to remain with him and to realize that we are lowly, but he is king. And because of our lowliness, he brings us up to that kingship. I think th- these are things that we just uh, need to hopefully reflect on as we, as we try to grow closer to him and avoid uh, losing our spiritual relevance. Well, and also, too, I mean, to understand that Jesus as king is not merely laying down rules from us. He's modeling everything mm-hmm. that he wants us to be and do. Uh, and to to show us he came down from heaven <laughs> and by the power of the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became one of us, right? Yes. To demonstrate, uh, to, to live this out, to show us, and, so that he could invite us to, to be like him. Uh, I mean, that's... That's a that's a different level. So uh, it's a it's a great thing to reflect upon as we head towards the feast of Christ the King. Marlon De La Torre, if our listeners want to connect with you, read your post and get ready for the end of this liturgical year and the beginning of the next. How do they do so? Uh, they can uh, look me up on knowingisdoing.org. All right, and uh, you uh, you take it easy this weekend on those on those football snacks. I mean, I will it's going to be very intense. It is. It is. I'll, be, and, I'll uh, be biting my nails. You and that state you used to live in going against each other in football. Not a problem. Go Bucks. All good. Go Arlen. Bucks. Go Bucks, Annie. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Did you just call him Arlen? Did you leave the I did. The letter M off of his name because I'm Anna of Ohio State playing machine. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I did. <laughs> Everybody's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Check out the show notes and find out more. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has penned a letter expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany, saying their so-called synodal way is threatening to undermine the unity of the church. The Catholic News Agency reports the Holy Father made the assertions in a letter to four German Catholic laywomen, which was published in the German newspaper Welt today. He said... I, too, share concerns about the numerous concrete steps that large parts of this local church are now taking that threaten to move further and further away from the common path of the universal church. He said, instead of looking for salvation in ever new committees and always discussing the same topic with a certain self-absorption, open up and go out to meet our brothers and sisters, especially those who are on the thresholds of our church doors on the streets, in the prisons, in the hospitals, in the squares, and in the cities, end quote. Tomorrow, Pope Francis will be meeting with families of Israelis held hostage, as well as with family members of Palestinians in Gaza. The Holy See said the meetings will take place separately after his general audience tomorrow. This coming as the White House continues to secure the release of host- continues to try to secure the release of hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby, however, told reporters more work needs to be done to broker a deal between Israel and Hamas. The Franciscans who care for the holy sites in the Holy Land are appealing to the faithful for support 
Father Francesco Paton in his statement on their site say the lack says the lack of pilgrims in the Holy Land in this time of war has led to closed economic activities, difficulty traveling to work, and makes daily life and the possibility of having a dignified life difficult. He said, quote, in this dire situation of conflict that the Holy Land is experiencing, it is urgent that we Franciscans stay close to the Christian communities who live in this land. The Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States is visiting South Korea this week to mark the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the Holy See and South Korea. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Archbishop Gallagher's trip to South Korea from the 20th to the 23rd of November highlights once again the Church's attention to the Asian continent, which is vital to finding new paths of peace in a world torn apart by fratricidal wars. In addition to the institutional meetings with the Korean Prime Minister and the Vice Minister for Foreign Affairs, Archbishop Gallagher will speak at a symposium organized on the occasion of the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the Holy See and South Korea. The theme of the symposium was indicated by Pope Francis during his trip to Seoul in August of 2014, being custodians of memory and custodians of hope. Archbishop Gallagher will also meet informally with some members of the diplomatic corps. Among the various religious appointments, the Archbishop will celebrate Mass at the Seo Somun Shrine, which commemorates the early Korean martyrs. 103 Korean martyrs were canonized by St. John Paul II at the site on the 6th of May 1984. The visit is intended to be a concrete sign to continue the path travelled over 60 years of diplomatic relations, with the courage to trace new paths of peace, as requested by Pope Francis on the 16th of September when he met with a group of Korean faithful. On that occasion, the Holy Father said, I would like to invite you to rediscover your vocation as apostles of peace in every sphere of life. It is the stimulus to become companions on the road and witnesses of reconciliation. It is a credible testimony that the future is built not with violent forces of weapons, but with a gentle one of proximity. I'm Francesca Merlo. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. She passed away Sunday at the age of 96 after being diagnosed with dementia back in March the Carter Center announced cer- ceremonies celebrating the life of Mrs. Carter will be held starting November 27th in Georgia. The public will be able to pay their respects as she lies in repose in the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta. That night, a private funeral service will be held November 29th at the Carter Family Residence in Plains, Georgia. The federal government is investigating an oil spill off the coast of Louisiana. An underwater pipeline may have sent more than a million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. There was a reported slick three to four miles wide. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35, Pat. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. 
You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is charity? Charity is a divine virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. Charity, it's clearer than the word love. And charity itself can also mean either just helping people out, he's a charitable person, but charity in this proper sense is related to God. When I love, it's not merely an emotion, rather it's giving myself fully to God above all things before anything else. Why? For his sake. I love God not so much for me, as St. Francis Xavier says, not for heaven, but because of who he is, my God. And when I love my neighbor, true love, the charity that comes from God, it's because I love God. Let us ask our Lord that we may truly love him above all things, including ourselves, and to love our neighbors for his sake, out of love for him. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Chris Frank, Chief Mission Officer for the National Eucharistic Congress. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I wanted to talk about the day passes you guys are offering. I think this is probably going to be a relief, especially to uh, the people who live just a couple of hours or, or more, you know, our Sacred Heart Radio family, who don't want to be yeah. invested in the entire thing of this and pay the full price for all of this stuff because it can be a big investment with hotels and if you're feeding a family of seven and so on and so forth uh what's the opportunity that you guys have put back out there yeah no and and, and you're right it's, it's all day passes and over the past few you know weeks and months we, we heard a growing number of people saying this event sounds great we want to go but it's long or it's expensive and it is long it's five days and things cost money these days and it was it's hard to keep the price down but we've been hustling behind the scenes trying our best to come up with solutions and fundraising so that we could do something to help people out and so the solution we came up with was was the day pass option and so we're still going to sell the the full pass option the 5 day pass but for those who just want to come and and see what this is about or be a part of it because of the the schedule that they have or the cost, we, we can now kind of break it down to single-day passes. And so starting Wednesday, uh, passes will be $49 to come to that opening session. Thursday, Friday, if I remember correctly, the passes are $95. And then if you want to come for the weekend, our, our big day Saturday, and then the closing mass on Sunday, that weekend pass is going to be $125. So it's much more affordable. You come in, you see the speakers you like, you'd be a part of this historical event, and, and hopefully it's a blessing for everybody who's involved. 
Well, let's be honest. Uh, if you want a good Eucharistic Congress, you need to involve families. <laughs> and that's the people that's right. who usually, the second the prices go up or the second the commitment level goes up, that's usually who has to tap out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And even with this shift, I, I think the the shift that I was most excited about in this new plan and this new offering for the church is that kids 12 and under are free. And so we want this to be family-friendly. We want families to come. And so yeah, we're trying our best to make this um, an event that everyone can attend. Well, and I think that's so important because, you know, let's be honest, when it comes to something like this that's this big of a deal that has this this much press behind it, I mean, we've, we've committed to try and give as much, you know, highlighting to it as possible here on the Sunrise Morning Show because it's such an important thing because we know what it's like. We know that if a lot of our family members and loved ones understood the Eucharist, they would they would be at mass with us, right? right. But we also understand right. that, like, you know, we we want to uh, we want to point to something that people can actually do. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you, and I I think this event. I, I was actually just in New York this past weekend doing a a church event, and there was there was a buzz, and there was people talking about this this moment in the church, and even those who already kind of said we can't can't make it or whatever, they they're excited for this this event for the Congress, for the revival, for all the things you were saying. Like they, they want to see what God's going to do in the Church, and they feel like this is a new springtime for us, a new opportunity. And so I'm excited, and I really hope that people come and they participate. And more than that, uh, I really hope God has something special in store for us. Well, I can tell you that he always does, but I never know exactly how it's going to play out. That's, <laughs> um, that's right, that's right. Tell me about the Solidarity Fund. Yeah, even with bringing the prices down with the day passes, um, we know that there's still going to be some people who just can't make the, the numbers work. And so, like I said, we've been hustling behind the scenes, and, and the bishops specifically have really stepped up to make, this, to make this happen. But over the past year, we've been fundraising, and we've, uh, we've fundraised $750,000. Um, and that's going to go towards the Solidarity Fund. That's going to be scholarships for people to come and attend the event. And so three-quarters of a million dollars is just going to be given to those people who want to come but can't afford it. Is that the so? So here's what I'm really wondering, because yeah, uh, I know that there are a lot of incredible people in my parish, and I know that there are a bunch of incredible people in all kinds of parishes who would be the kind yeah. of person that I would want there praying, but I don't want yeah. them to have to go through the walk of shame to go say, hey, I can't afford X amount of dollars. Yeah. Can you spot me? Is this the kind of thing that a pastor could reach out to you and say, hey, there's, there's this family that I want yep. to have them go? Can a pastor reach out on yep. somebody's behalf and spot somebody and ask you all? Yeah, yeah. So actually the way the system is going to work, and we're still putting together the final final pieces here, but it's going to go live in January in early 2024, and you'll be able to go to our website, and you'll be able to register and state your needs and why you're applying for the funds. And then from there, it'll go to the committee, and funds will be allocated and delegated accordingly. And so, so we, we think we have a good process, a fair process, but, but we want this to be something that, that has no shame, that has no you know, negative connotations. Uh, God has given so much to us, and the Church has given so much, even on the financial end here as we've gone and fundraised. And so we want to be able to give that freely. That's why we've raised this money. That's why this is uh, coming to fruition. So, um, yeah, for anyone who might be like on the fence and is feeling kind of sheepish about this, please don't. Um, we, we would really love you to come take advantage of uh, this opportunity. Well, all I can say is that 
if you having seven kids makes it hard for you to go to a five day conference, that's not shame. That's honor. <laughs> that's exactly. all I'm going to say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so for our listeners and our, especially our pastors or DREs who want to maybe like look into this um, and figure out how to make it more available to families uh, who they think would be great for it, uh, how do they do so? Yeah, so you just go to our website, eucharisticcongress.org, and uh, again, the Solidarity Fund will have more information in January, but you can see the schedule, you can see information about the day passes, and everything else we have lined up for the event itself, again, at our website, eucharisticcongress.org. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris Frank, thank you for your time. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. God bless. All right. We got Danielle Bean on the line next. It is 16 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What a great grace it is to have the opportunity to use the airwaves for the honor and glory of God, to be able to talk to the hearts of individuals and meet them where they are in their relationship with our Lord, and also to encourage them forward. Women of Grace with Johnette Williams. This morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. On the next More to Life, all stressed up for the holidays. Worried about holiday get-togethers? We'll help you find your peace. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 14 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has written a letter in a German newspaper expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany and their so-called synodal way. The Franciscans who care for the holy sites in the Holy Land are appealing to the faithful to help them support Christians living in the war zone. And former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. Next newscast in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 13 till. Danielle Bean joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. 
connect with her at daniellebean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com. Join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am good, and I'm excited to get to talk to you about what you said was the serious business of pie. (laughs) Now, Danielle, I know there are those who just really aren't into cooking or baking. I don't know why, but you are definitely not one of them. What joy do you get from, from baking, especially for your family and friends? Yeah, I think there's just something in, in, in our hearts that's kind of built in there to, especially during the colder times of the year where we've got, you know, the sun is setting here in New Hampshire at like 4.30 p.m. <laughs> it is dark out. We just want to bring some light and some warmth and a little bit of joy into our homes, into our families, into our everyday routines. So baking is a beautiful way to do that. You're providing sustenance for your family. You're providing sometimes a treat for your family. It's just a a beautiful and traditional thing that I really love to do. So I I like to look at kind of traditional American baking recipes, and some of them are kind of crazy. They used to put all kinds of crazy things in pies. But I like to use those old-fashioned recipes, though, to get back to the basics, especially around Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving is such a feast of tradition and that you know a celebration of exactly that, like giving thanks for all the good things that God gives us even in the darkest days of the year. Absolutely. So why exactly, though, are pies serious business, Danielle? (laughs) Well, I do take them seriously. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I was a girl, my mom baked pies, but she wasn't she wasn't a fanatic about it. But she, she enjoyed baking quite a bit. And I remember just watching her as she kind of like rolled out the dough and crimped the crust and and she did so perfectly. These are the kinds of hand skills that you can have after spending years practicing something. And I remember my first awkward attempts at trying to roll out pie dough, and it was pretty terrible. And I remember talking to my mom about it, being frustrated about it, and she was very encouraging of me, telling me, you know, as you do things over time, you get better at them. And uh, sure enough, that is so true, and it's something that I really kind of appreciate about kind of culinary arts in various ways, whether it's you know, um, you know, chopping up vegetables or if it's baking a pie for Thanksgiving. These are just everyday basic life skills that we can get better at doing. And they're the kinds of things that every human being needs, right? Every human being needs sustenance, needs food. So working out ways of increasing our skills to be able to do that and do that in a pleasant and enjoyable way, I think is really what it's all about. What's your favorite pie? Oh, Gosh, you're asking me to pick like my favorite child here. No, I, I can't understand. do that. Yeah, no, you've got no. eight of them too. <laughs> I know, but I have to say pumpkin pie this time of year. Nice. Okay, I have yeah. seasonal pie. So, yeah, sure. pumpkin pie definitely wins this time of year. And I share a recipe on my website that came from an older neighbor of ours many years ago when I was growing up. And I've held on to it ever since. It really is just the all-around best recipe, and I love it. That's fantastic. We're going to get that recipe here in a second. My favorite pie is my little sister's apple pie. Um, it's just delicious. I'm curious, when when you make fruit pies, are you like mm-hmm. a – I don't know what – I don't – I can't believe that I just put myself into this position. I don't know what all of the names of the, the like, the top of the pie, like lattice or, like, oh, lattice solid. Uh-huh. Do you like to do, like, little yeah. decorations when you poke all the holes? All of the above. 
Yeah. What's your... <laughs> All of the above, yeah. But, you know, one really fun thing, and I'll just throw this out there in case anyone wants to try because it's super easy and it looks really kind of impressive and fun, is for your top pie crust, just roll it out like you usually do, and then use a cookie cutter to cut out pieces that you just oh. place on top of the pie. Yeah. I do that with a leaf-shaped cookie cutter, and it comes out really cool, and it's a lot of fun to have that for Thanksgiving. Nice, nice. Yeah, my sister, my older sister does that with her pumpkin pies. She puts little pieces of dough on top. I know that might be anathema to you, but it does look I, really I can't pretty. imagine putting a top crust on pumpkin. Are you well, no, me? not like I, a whole <laughs> top crust. It's just like little okay. pieces so that there's like okay, a decoration okay. in there. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's very pretty. That's very legit. Pretty. I like um, that. So can I go buy a crust at the store, Danielle, or should I make it from well, scratch? You can. You can. I mean, can. <laughs> I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. I, you know, pie crust is one of those things that I, I realized we, we kind of put on this high pedestal like, oh, I can't possibly do that. And, and yet it's one of those basic life skills that I think is just, it's so true that you just get better at it by doing it. You know, years ago, I realized that they have these pie crust mixes where you add water to it. And I'm like, well, you're already doing the work of making the pie crust. Yeah. You might as well put together the, the dry ingredients with the fat and mix yeah. in the water yourself. <laughs> so I think it's so important to just realize that this is a basic skill. You can so learn it and, and don't be afraid of it. But no, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look down on anybody who's buying their pie crust. You know, you got to do oh, what you got to do. When you, Absolutely. You're I'll look family. down on them. No, I'm just kidding. But the, <laughs> um, but there is something to be said for working with your hands and actually being involved. I mean, you could say the same thing about like gardening and, and just being in touch yeah. with the food that you're eating. Absolutely. I think that is so important to know. And I think that the more that we can do that, the better off we're going to be really, you know, knowing the source of your food and creating things from scratch. And maybe your schedule isn't going to always allow for it. But especially on a holiday, maybe take the time and make something from scratch that you wouldn't normally do. And it's a beautiful way to kind of pause, appreciate the slow process of creating food, appreciate the effort that goes into it, and be thinking about and praying for your family as you do that. It's a beautiful gift that you can mm-hmm. give to your family. Yep, absolutely. It's a form of work which has dignity. So give us the recipes here, Danielle. I know you've got a, a simple pie dough recipe for for newbies and also uh, that pumpkin pie recipe you mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people should just go to daniellebean.com slash recipes. Which is that? This is a secret. This is a secret. Um, I was going to say, here, there's okay? nothing on the top about that. Like, yeah, you're... yeah, no, that's a cheat code on my Ooh. website, and you can get the recipes that way. I'm only sharing it with you and me and anyone who's listening. So, nice. <laughs> recipes, and these are if you go into like the baking section, I have my pie crust recipe there, my um, pecan pie and pumpkin pie. All of those things are there. Oh, wow. You can find those that there's I really enjoy here. and. There is, and I've only put recipes on there that I truly love and that truly work. You know, I, I, I get frustrated by collections of recipes that aren't ones that are tried and true, and so you can count on the ones that are shared there. Awesome. Matt, have you looked at this? Did you put uh, this in the, the show day, notes? Yeah, yeah it's, it's in the show notes. Okay, good. Um, I'll put, well, it's in the show notes from a couple days ago, but I'll put the link back out. Uh, but it's just daniellebean.com slash recipes. I know, but and, still. Uh, it's nice when people can just like go to one place and find everything in our show notes. I really want someone to make me her snickerdoodles. Yes. I'm a I'm a sucker for snickerdoodles. I love cinnamon sugar things.
you know, I had a, uh, there was a priest that uh, I was privy to his experience recently where he talked about um, actually the, the um, I believe it was the Feast of Corpus Christi. Okay. And he said something to the effect of, listen, I don't have much family left. You know, I don't have, uh, you know, the greatest health anymore. I don't have all these other things. I don't have uh, some lady at home baking me cookies. All I have is the Eucharist, and that's all I need. <laughs> and then, like, the next week, like, it's he just got loaded down with people baking him cookies. Baking him cookies. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. But the point has stuck with me, by the way. he still only needs the Eucharist, ladies and gentlemen. It, I mean, I cookies he, are nice. I think he probably shared those cookies with lots of people. Yeah. But at any rate, I'm sure there were snickled, snickerdoodles in the Snickle mix. Snickledoodles. Snickledoodles. Snickle. I can't even say it. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to wish everyone a happy feast of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Particularly oh, we'll talk about it more next hour, our by the way. Eastern Catholic brothers and sisters. This is one it's of the 12 great feasts on the Eastern liturgical calendar. I'm not sure why the West doesn't um, uphold this as big of a feast as it is, but think about it. The woman who became the temple of God enters the temple. We'll talk more about it with Steve Ray next hour. Please do stay with us after the break. It's three minutes till. continue on this Tuesday, the 21st of November. It's the Feast of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are our Creator and our Redeemer. You are our beginning and our end. You are the joy of our salvation. God, our Father, you receive the dedication of the Blessed Virgin Mary as an offering made in love. Through her intercession, gather all people to yourself, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Tuesday in a rather convoluted week. It's always a little bit weird, you know, when you got a holiday on a Thursday. It makes everything kind of strange with school and, you know, who's in, you know, traveling, all that stuff. Well, we are praying for you that you can navigate it well. Uh, I'm Matt Swaim. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. Anna Mitchell will have the news. Paul Lockman is at the controls. Travis has got a video feed up and running. You can access it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's on YouTube as well. We'll talk to Colleen Pressbridge about the Jesse Tree for Families. Josh Rudiger is going to be along uh, with us as well. I'm uh, going to talk to Josh uh, about Ascension Press's uh, app, which, if you don't have it, um, there's lots of pretty cool stuff on there. 
Uh, you've probably heard a bunch of the cool Ascension things we've been talking about on the air just in the past couple of months. Steve Ray will talk more about the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary and look at some scriptural background to this feast and what it means and what we're celebrating today. And then Chris McGregor will get into the Office of Readings with us, so please do stay with us if you can. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has written a letter expressing deep reservation about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany, saying their so-called synodal way is threatening to undermine the unity of the church. The Catholic News Agency reports the Holy Father made the assertions in a letter to four German Catholic lay women, which was published in the German newspaper Welt today. He said, quote, I, too, share concerns about the numerous concrete steps that large parts of this local church are now taking that threaten to move further and further away from the common path of the universal church, end quote. The head of Hamas's political bureau says the group is nearing a truce agreement. The response was delivered to officials in Qatar who have been mediating for the release of hostages with Israel and the United States. Any possible deal is expected to include the exchange of hostages for Palestinians who are being held in Israeli prisons. The newly appointed Archbishop of Homs, Syria, Julia, Julian Morad, has said a two-state solution is the only way toward a just and sustainable peace in the entire region. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his comment on the dramatic events of the past five weeks, Archbishop Morad didn't mince his words. If you want to see hell, you have to come to Lebanon, Syria, and now especially to the Holy Land, he said. The Syrian Archbishop, who became internationally known in 2015 when he was kidnapped by the Islamic State in Syria, decried the ongoing carnage of civilians in Gaza as well as the killings and the violent abductions of hostages perpetrated by Hamas in Israel. He emphasized that evil cannot be eradicated by evil. We were shocked and distressed to see bombs drop on hospitals in Homs and Aleppo in Syria. Today, it is happening again in Gaza, he said. Archbishop Murad insisted on the two-state solution advocated by many, as both Israelis and Palestinians, he said, have a right to have a state of their own. Archbishop Murad further noted that Palestinians are victims of violence not only from the Israeli army, but also from other countries, including Arab countries that have their own political agendas. If the world tolerates and justifies this, it confirms injustice and takes away hope, he said, warning that this unresolved question concerns the entire globe. We will be asked to account for the future of the world with all the consequences of war in terms of mass migration, refugees and depletion of vital resources such as water, he said. I am Lisa Zengarini. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. She passed away at the age of 96 Sunday afternoon. She had been diagnosed with dementia back in March. The Carter Center announced ceremonies celebrating her life will be held starting November 27th in Georgia. The public will be able to pay their respects as she lies in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta that night. A private funeral service will be held November 29th at the Carter family residence. 
A new poll shows Donald Trump holding a lead over President Biden in the race for the White House. Mark Mayfield reports. The Harvard Caps Harris poll shows Trump receiving 48% support among respondents compared to Biden's 41%. 11% of respondents said they were unsure who to vote for. Trump gained two percentage points since a similar survey conducted in October. Recent polls have shown Trump outperforming Biden in a handful of the critical battleground states. I'm Mark Mayfield. And more than 55 million people are expected to travel more than 50 miles this week for Thanksgiving. That according to AAA. Its forecast shows an increase of more than 2% compared to last year and is the third highest Thanksgiving forecast ever recorded. Most Americans are expected to drive to their destinations. However, AAA says 4.7 million people are expected to travel by plane for the holiday. Matt, what are you doing? I'm driving. Driving. I could use a plane. I suppose I could use a train. Mm-hmm. Or I could use an automobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, when are you leaving? So, uh, I'm leaving, I think, tomorrow after the radio show. Nice. So uh, my goal is to, to do radio with the Sunrise Morning Show family. And then uh, then off we go. Off we go. So uh, I'm traveling like three, four miles, five. I thought I you were going to say blocks. How many blocks? Not are you quite. Not this year? I wish that would be even better. No, it's It'll about a twenty-minute drive between my house and my parents. No, I get to go through the through the Smokies during uh, nice. leaf peeping season. That's so awesome. all the all the tourists will be uh, clogging up the, you know, clogging up the highways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be among them because I'm from there, but I don't live there. Are you bringing anything to the dinner? Are you just uh, letting I don't your know mom gonna... do all the cooking? I'm not going to bring anything there, but I do plan to bring something back. You know is what that is? The Your dad leftover tur- garbage can turkey? I was going to say my involuntary southern accent. Oh, yeah. So Well, uh, we'll look forward to that on that's the one thing I. That's the one thing I will <laughs> definitely bring back with me. I pick it up, and I, I can't help it. It comes back with me, Love at least it. for a couple days. Love it. Well, today is Tuesday, November the 21st. It is the Feast of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Temple. The Theotokos, the Mother of God, enters the Temple. Our Lady of the Presentation, pray for us. Colleen Pressprich is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's got a new book from our Sunday visitor called The Jesse Tree for Families. Colleen, good morning. Good morning. So first off, what is the Jesse Tree tradition and why is it done during Advent? Well, the Jesse Tree tradition is actually dates back all the way to the Middle Ages um, when, you know, priests and theologians kind of partnered with artists to help a majority illiterate population understand and learn the story of salvation, right? So the Jesse tree is basically Jesus's family tree. It's a way to visibly and tangibly depict God's presence among his people, drawing us back to him from the fall of Adam and Eve all through the generations up to Christ. Um, Over, you know, centuries, it sort of became tradition to go through the Jesse tree during Advent as a way to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Savior. Yeah, to see that the fullness of time come into to realization. Why do you think this is especially appealing to children? 
Well, I think there's there's several reasons. Um, the Jesse Tree is an opportunity for them to meet people, right? Um, children, especially young children, are hugely relational, mm-hmm. right? Their worlds um, revolve around people and faces and stories. Um, and so the Jesse Tree kind of draws them into the story of... God's family, in a way. Um, The Jesse Tree also has kind of this concrete, tangible aspect to it, because typically the way you do it is that you read, you know, a reflection, a story, and then you take an ornament with the symbol from that story, and you hang it on your tree. So you're kind of showing, in a very concrete way, the progression of time towards Christmas. Mm. Um, which definitely helps kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You must be a Montessori teacher. You sound like one. <laughs> I I was a Montessori teacher before kids. That's yep. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So there's a lot of Montessori in my books. <laughs> well, yeah, that was where I was going to take it next. Um, tell us about how you have set up this book to help parents teach their children about the family tree of Jesus. Well, so the book is set up to be very, very easy to use and very open and go. Um, So for every single day, starting December 1st, you read just a very short reflection on where you meet one of the members of Jesus' family at a moment in time when they encountered God. And then um, on the next page, there's um, notes for parents. Because I know that, you know, a lot of parents like myself didn't grow up in, you know, practicing Catholic homes. And so maybe this idea of talking with our kids about faith, um, maybe this idea of, you know, teaching them things that we don't necessarily feel confident in um, can be a little intimidating. So I wanted to give parents lots of context lots of ideas for, um, these are some ways you can approach this with your kids. Um, so that's all there to just sort of help inspire confidence to help those parents feel, you know, as capable as they truly are to be the first teachers of faith of their kids. Um, and then there's a set of conversation starters. Um, these aren't meant to be, you know, like question and answer like in school, but rather ways to draw your child out and to start those conversations about faith in a way that is um, relaxing, that is conversational, right? So our family tends to use them, like, around the dinner table, but you could do it in the car on the way to carpool or, you know, throughout the day just to get talking about faith. And uh, speaking of those ornaments, um, there is a very handy book jacket that comes with this paperback, (laughs) And uh, for those of you who are watching the video stream, you can see me unfolding this book jacket that has all of the ornaments on it. And um, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about these illustrations and um, and and really how the ornaments fit into this whole into this whole Jesse tree tradition. Yeah, absolutely. So for every, you're right, there's, there are actually two sets of ornaments included with every book. One is done beautifully on that nice thick dust jacket. Mm-hmm. There's a second set in the back, too, so you kind of have two options to work with. Nice. Um, every single ornament has a symbol on it. That symbol corresponds to one of the illustrations. Um, so like for... 
Um, Joseph, there's a, you know, illustration of his coat is the symbol. Um, for Isaac, it's a ram's head. Um, many of these are just very traditional symbols for the people that the story is about. Um, and then really you take the ornaments, you can use them as is, cut them out, punch a hole in, add a ribbon, hang it on your tree. Um, or, you know, um, Amy Heisey, who is the illustrator, um, has a great video up on her YouTube channel of all of the ways that you can kind of turn those ornaments into heirloom quality ornaments, most yeah. of which with simple, simple Mod Podge um, and like wood tree slice ornaments. That's what I did. It took 10 minutes. Nice. Um, they came out beautiful. Um, so it's a, yeah, we wanted it to be something that families could just kind of have everything they needed. Yeah. And speaking of everything you need, in addition to the Jesse tree, there is um, a whole section on the O antiphons, which is another great Advent tradition that we have in the church. And I just want to hold up the cutest picture of baby Jesus. If you're watching the video feed, you can see baby Jesus is so darling in this book. It's called The Jesse Tree for Families. It's from our Sunday visitor, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to the author, Colleen Pressbridge. Colleen, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Likewise, it was good to have you. All right, it's a quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know what? We should do weather. There are people that are traveling and need to know what's going on for their travel plans. So here we go. Expect some wet snow or a mix of rain and snow across the upper Great Lakes, mainly in the mid to late morning through early evening. In the northeast, freezing rain will develop in the northern and central Appalachians around midday. Snow will be likely across the Poconos and the interior northeast. Other areas along and east of the Mississippi River will likely see rain and thunderstorms today. Beyond these, the lookout for strong to severe thunderstorms from the central Gulf Coast into the Carolinas. The eastern two-thirds of the nation will experience breezy to strong winds today as well. Could see some wind gusts up to 40 to 50 miles per hour. And a large ridge of high pressure will be in control of the weather across most of the west. So dry and weather. Quiet weather. Weather. That's quiet weather. Weather. Dry and quiet weather will be in the forecast for most areas in the west because of that. All right, we're going to hit a break here. We'll be back with headlines right after this. It's 17 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Health Share, 844-334-3245. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. 
And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN is the global Catholic network. 19 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has written a letter expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. And the Vatican Secretary for Relations with States is visiting South Korea this week to mark the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations with the Holy See. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, we mentioned last hour, Father Boniface Hicks, they got 100 monks, 20 turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned the Eagles, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, beat the Chiefs. And, you know, I can't help but think that, you know, Ben Franklin originally thought about, the turkey was it Ben Franklin? The nas- yeah. The turkey being the national turkey bird. The national bird. Um, but I'm glad it's not, it didn't work out that way because that, I mean, what if we were eating eagles for Thanksgiving? Like, it would not be. You don't think we would eat turkey if it was the national bird? But Paul's in my ear. What is Paul saying to you? Apparently eagles are an endangered species. Well, at any rate. Paul Paul is like, what? No, he's what? not. Come on, let me do the bit. Come on. I think that's the real reason that we, all I'm saying is I know the real reason that we eat turkeys instead of eagles for Thanksgiving, and it has to do with like endangered. Well, I know I don't even know what the eagle population was when our founding fathers well, eagles, came to this. I mean, I know eagles land. are big, but yeah, turkey though. That's just like I just can't imagine no. having a lot of meat. Well, you know? well, that's not they where I expected this segment to go. Yeah, me either. Completely, Anna Mitchell and I apologize, but luckily we have more to talk about. After the break, it's 21 minutes past the hour. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin flavored and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A prayer for vocations by our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. 
Lord Jesus, as you once called the first disciples to make them fishers of men, let your sweet invitation continue to resound. Give young men and women the grace of responding quickly to your voice. Support our bishops, priests, and consecrated people in their apostolic labor. Grant perseverance to our seminarians and to all those who are carrying out the ideal of a life totally consecrated to your service. Lord, send workers to your harvest and do not allow humanity to be lost for the lack of pastors, missionaries, and people dedicated to the cause of the gospel. Mary, Mother of the Church, help us to say yes to the Lord who calls us to cooperate in the divine plan of salvation. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Josh Rudiger, and he is Director of Corporate Marketing for Ascension Press, and he is one of the people behind the development of the Ascension app, which you can get at ascensionpress.com slash app, or in various application digital marketplaces. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, so what's on the app? So the app is the Bible app. Uh, you've probably seen Bible apps before, but uh, this Bible app has the Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, the podcast. It also has the Catechism of the Catholic Church, along with Father Mike's Catechism in a Year podcast, and lots of other great features built around those two books that are so important for Catholics. All right. So uh, it's nice to have that kind of thing in an app, uh, but you know, when it comes to uh, the the sort of versatility of this, I imagine now that you've gotten Father Mike, you know, having done a bunch of these things, you've got a different sort of way to position this content. Instead of just saying, I can't wait till he talks about paragraph 792, uh, it's on there now. <laughs> I, I bet you that you could probably search some of this stuff if you're looking for answers and reflections on some of these passages uh, from the Catechism and the Bible. Oh yeah, that's totally right. Um, people can search the exact Catechism paragraph, they can find it right away, and then you can even see cross-links between things in the Catechism, things in the Bible, um, and then we've got lots of extras around those verses so that if you want to hear, you know, what Father Mike has to say about a specific uh, verse of the Bible, for example, it's really easy to find that right there. Um, and not just Father Mike, but lots of other wonderful Catholic uh, evangelists that we've worked with over the years. Yeah, it was a wonder because some of the uh, most fun we've had on the radio over the past couple of months is uh, the Ascension Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. And, of course, uh, prior to that, Jeff Cavins has done the Great Adventure Bible Study. Are are you hoping to incorporate some of these resources? Have you incorporated some of them already? Like, how is, uh, in addition to Father Mike, what else have you got in there? Definitely. I'm so glad you brought up the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament because that's been so popular, and I, we just I want to know myself. if our buddy Dr. Jeff Morrow is on there because he's like <laughs> so good. Yeah, so one of the things we did is for every chapter of the Bible, if you're looking at it, you know, like a normal app, and you're reading the chapter of the Bible, you can swipe left, and you'll see information that's a quick summary of what's going on in the chapter, and then how that chapter fits into the big story, and that's really taken from that Catholic Guide to the Old Testament that shows you not just you know details on what you're reading, but also how it fits into the overall narrative of Scripture. And so any chapter of the Bible, even the most, you know, uh, arcane chapters of the Old Testament, you can kind of swipe left 
and then you'll see that summary and you'll see how it fits into the story. Uh, and you'll also see information like answers to common questions people have about that specific chapter. Um, you'll see where uh, Jesus' genealogy is at that time, so who's alive, um, and lots of other information like that. So yeah, the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament was a huge part of making the Old Testament um, sort of more understandable like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love Father Mike, but I'm telling you, we've been having a lot of fun with the people who worked on that particular one, the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. Going, I'm so uh, glad to hear that. So just book by book through the Old Testament, doing a segment on each book. It's been, it's just been a lot of fun. It's been a really really uh, rich set of conversations. So being able to have that all in app form sounds super exciting. So I imagine there's like a free version and a paid version. So what's the difference? That's right. So the free version has the full text of the Bible, the full text of the Catechism, uh, the audio Bible read by Father Mike, every episode of both podcasts, transcripts, uh, lots of lots of stuff. Um, the guide feature that I was talking about is free for the first few books of the Bible so people can understand the value, but then it is a paid feature after that. Um, we also have about a thousand commonly asked questions about the Bible right in the text with their answers, and that's also a paid feature. And then we have 25 Bible studies with hundreds of hours of content and the audio for them. That's also a paid feature. Very cool. So what was it like to you to try and compile all this stuff? Because you're dealing already with, you know, two of the thickest books that you could possibly have to work with <laughs> between the Bible and the Catechism. But then, you know, all these reflections, like, uh, what was the back end like that uh, for you? Well, I mean, it was really fun because Ascension's been publishing for 25 years, and Ascension's always had a, a great focus on the Bible. You mentioned uh, the Bible Timeline study with Jeff Caven, the Great Adventure Bible, the Bible in a Year with Father Mike. So there's so much great content there that, as you said, really the challenge is just figuring out how to put it all together. But that was really the goal of the app, is to put everything that Ascension sort of <laughs> knows about the Bible in the Bible. And if we tried to do that as a print book, it would be, you know, 25 volumes. Um, and so that's why we ended up going with an app. But it's, but it's been working out great. Um, one of the challenges, I guess, is just keeping it... Um, easy to use and pretty straightforward when people start interacting with it. So we've had a big focus on that loss of testing, um, working with over a thousand different testers to make sure that this is something people can use quickly and get, and get a lot of value out of. So that was the biggest challenge was just um, taking all of that and making it accessible in an, in an easy to use way. Yeah, it is a, is a cool thing. And the, and the great thing too about, uh, you know, and Jeff will tell you this and, Father Michael tell you this, and certainly all the people who did the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, it's not just like smart thoughts from these people. This is like stuff that has been reflected on and written about and thought through by the church through centuries. So really, by assembling it all together, you're putting together basically the way that the whole church has thought about this stuff for two millennia, which is great. So remind our listeners how they can get the Ascension app uh, and get the Bible and the Catechism in a year and all these other things that we've been talking about. Yeah, so you can open your smartphone and you can open the App Store where you get all your other apps and just search for the Ascension app. So in the App Store or in the Google Play Store, you can search Ascension app and it'll be right there. All right, very good. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Uh, we've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com and encourage people to head there. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you too. It was a pleasure. And don't forget, you can put in your email address, subscribe at sunrisemorningshow.com, get show notes every day. 
Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has written a letter expressing deep reservation and concern about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany, saying their so-called synodal way is threatening to undermine the unity of the church. The Catholic News Agency reports the Holy Father made these assertions in a letter to four German Catholic laywomen, which was published in the German newspaper Welt today. He said, quote, I, too, share concerns about the numerous concrete steps that large parts of this local church are now taking that threaten to move further and further away from the common path of the universal church, end quote. Pope Francis will be meeting tomorrow with families of Israelis held hostage as well as with family members of Palestinians currently in Gaza. The Vatican announced the meetings will be held separately and both take place after his Wednesday general audience tomorrow. A Holy See spokesperson said the meetings are of an exclusively humanitarian nature. This coming as the White House continues to try to negotiate for hostages to be released. The Franciscans who care for the holy sites in the Holy Land are appealing to the faithful to help support Christians. Father Francesco Paton says in a statement that the war in the Holy Land has led to a lack of pilgrims, closed economic activities, difficulty traveling to work, making daily life and the possibility of having a dignified life difficult. He said, quote, in this dire situation of conflict that the Holy Land is experiencing, it is urgent that we Franciscans stay close to the Christian communities who live in this land, end quote. The Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States is visiting South Korea this week to mark the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the Holy See and South Korea. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Archbishop Gallagher's trip to South Korea from the 20th to the 23rd of November highlights once again the Church's attention to the Asian continent, which is vital to finding new paths of peace in a world torn apart by fratricidal wars. In addition to the institutional meetings with the Korean Prime Minister and the Vice Minister for Foreign Affairs, Archbishop Gallagher will speak at a symposium organized on the occasion of the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the Holy See and South Korea. The theme of the symposium was indicated by Pope Francis during his trip to Seoul in August of 2014, being custodians of memory and custodians of hope. Archbishop Gallagher will also meet informally with some members of the diplomatic corps. Among the various religious appointments, the Archbishop will celebrate Mass at the Seo Somun Shrine, which commemorates the early Korean martyrs. 103 Korean martyrs were canonized by St. John Paul II at the site on the 6th of May 1984. The visit is intended to be a concrete sign to continue the path travelled over 60 years of diplomatic relations, with the courage to trace new paths of peace, as requested by Pope Francis on the 16th of September when he met with a group of Korean faithful. On that occasion, the Holy Father said, I would like to invite you to rediscover your vocation as apostles of peace in every sphere of life. It is the stimulus to become companions on the road and witnesses of reconciliation. It is a credible testimony that the future is built not with violent forces of weapons, but with a gentle one of proximity. I'm Francesca Merlo. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. She passed away at the age of 96 Sunday afternoon after being diagnosed with dementia back in March. The Carter Center announced a ceremony celebrating her life will be held starting November 27th in Georgia. 
The public will be able to pay their respects as she lies in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta that night. A private funeral service will be held November 29th at the Carter family residence in Plains, Georgia. An appeals court has struck down a provision of the Voting Rights Act. Lisa Taylor reports. The 1965 law prohibits racial discrimination in voting. The 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled private entities cannot bring lawsuits under a provision of the law. Legal scholars say most of the lawsuits are brought by private parties. I'm Lisa Taylor. The federal government is investigating an oil spill off the coast of Louisiana. An underwater underwater pipeline may have sent more than a million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. The third coast midstream pipeline reported a slick three to four miles wide late last week, about 19 miles offshore. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the heart of St. Paul. One of the words that can be used to describe the person of St. Paul is gratitude. In each of his letters, he expresses gratitude to God for making him a minister, and he is grateful to all who received his message of Christ with an open heart. Paul knows that he's not alone in this world. His thoughts and prayers were filled with the faces of the persons he met and served, and who in turn served and loved him. Paul writes to the Ephesians, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of salvation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul was grateful that Jesus Christ revealed himself to him, and even more grateful that Jesus used Paul to carry out this message, which enlightens all the people in the truth. Paul knew that what he received free of charge, he needed to pass on free of charge. The kindness expressed by every person is a sign of the kindness of God. We can pass on this kindness through the simple use of two words, thank you. Our thanks acknowledges the value, and by recognizing the value of that gift, we acknowledge the value of the person giving it and the presence of Christ in them. And we begin to see why gratitude is so important in the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. It's always good to be with you. And my son-in-law, Sean Regan, wanted me to send a message to Annie from up here in Michigan, and that Uh-oh. is Go Blue. Uh-oh. Go Bucks. <laughs> I better get control of this interview right now. Speaking of in-laws and outlaws and the like, Steve, what's your Thanksgiving celebration looking like? We're going out with our family. We're going to have a big family dinner to this time. So we're and we have one of our favorite priests coming with us. We invited him to come too. So it's Very going to be cool. nice. Well, then you don't have to stare around the circle and be like, "Who's going to lead the prayer for the blessing?" You know, you got you no, got a built-in no. built-in solution. <laughs> 
And we know what football game we'll be watching, too. I know, indeed. Well, so, Steve, we've got the presentation of Mary today on the calendar. Now, this is one that, as you and I, former Protestants, we would have probably asked things like, where is the Assumption of Mary in the Bible? Where is the Immaculate Conception of Mary in the Bible? Where is the Coronation of Mary in the Bible? And so on and so forth. Those are all questions worth asking. But a question that a lot of people don't think about to ask is, where is the presentation of Mary in the Bible? Because you also have to do a little thinking on this one. Right, because it's not mentioned in the Bible, the presentation. So there's two different kind of presentations. I thought we should do that first. There is one presentation that is required of the Old Testament, that when a baby is born, they have to be presented before God at the temple. So we know about the presentation of Jesus. When he was 40 days old, he had to go to the temple. Mary and Joseph took him there. Mary had to offer a sacrifice. There had to be cleansing for ceremonial, not for sin, but for ceremonial cleansing. And then Jesus had to be presented to the priest at the temple. That is one that was required. And we know that that's uh, even the fifth joyful mystery. Now, there's another presentation that we're celebrating today, the 21st of November. And that's Mary's presentation because she was a miracle baby in the sense that her parents are very old and beyond child rearing age. And they gave her the special daughter. And as a reward or as a response to that, Joachim and Anna presented Mary at three years old to the temple to live there. So that this is in the West, we call it the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. But in the East, where it really began, it's called the entry of the most holy Theotokos into the temple. I like that title much better. So there are two different presentations, the one that every every baby, especially firstborn, had to be presented at the temple, but then Mary's is a very special one. It's a dedication in the temple, and where do we find it in the Bible? We don't, but it, it is a, a document from the second century called the Proto-Evangelium of James, very interesting document, and that document also tells us the names of Mary's parents, which we don't have in the Bible either, but that comes from the Proto-Evangelium of James from uh, from the second century. Yes, it is. Uh, it is a fascinating thing, and you know, again, that didn't make it into the canon of Scripture for a couple of different reasons. But uh, what it does illustrate is that there was a tradition uh, that people had about Mary's backstory. So, uh, yep. you know. When we talk about this presentation, I, I think it's so fascinating uh, that we talk that the Eastern Church talks about it as the presentation, the entry of the most holy Theotokos into the temple, because Mary is going to herself be a temple, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, it's so <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, Theotokos is a Greek word that means Theo means God and Tokos means bearer, one who bears God. So she's the mother of God. And it's as such, a temple is a place where God dwells. Even in the pagan worlds that they viewed that as uh, the temple of Apollo, the temple of Zeus or what. But, but Mary is, like you said, going to become a temple. And in her is going to be the word of God inscribed in flesh. The old Ark of the Covenant had the which was in the temple had the word of god inscribed in stone but mary becomes the new temple in a sense the new ark of the covenant because in her <clears throat> is going to be the word of god inscribed in flesh and by the way it's not too far removed from us being temples too and we partake of the blessed eucharist because we know that it's the body and blood of jesus christ so we also become temples of of christ at that point when we have a partake of the eucharist well, and this is why the Catechism and 
you know, drawing off of the Church Fathers and, you know, 2,000 years of Christian history talks about Mary as the icon and image of the Church, because she's doing what basically every Christian should be doing uh, by hearing the Word of God, receiving it, and bearing it forth into the world. Now, I'm going to bring up one uh, that you probably have heard, and it comes to when Mary goes now as a mother to present Jesus in the temple, because, you know, one of the things that some people will say, and what you and I probably both would have said, is that ah, Mary, you know, how could we say that Mary is immaculate and sinless if it says clearly in Luke chapter 2 that she went and offered a couple of turtle doves or two young pigeons, uh, isn't she making an offering for sin? And why would she do that if she's sinless? But you're, you, there are a few different things to understand in regard to that little reference to the turtle doves and the pigeons, right? Yes, two things. First of all, is that just because Mary offers this sacrifice doesn't mean that she's a sinner. It means that she's obeying the law of Moses. The the Holy Family obeyed the law of Moses better than anyone else, and they were required to do this. Just like Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, and we don't say, oh, he was baptized to wash away his sins. We know that he wasn't a sinner. He did that as an example to us, and Mary does this as an example too. She's presenting her son to the temple, and she's following the requirements of the law by offering the turtle doves. Now, the next thing we can say about those turtle doves is it shows that the Holy Family was not a wealthy family because the requirement was that you were to bring a lamb to sacrifice. But a lamb is expensive, and it's also expensive and hard to bring a lamb all the way from Nazareth, a five-day journey down to Jerusalem. So they have to buy a lamb when they get there. And that's an expensive proposition. But the law made provision for the for the poor folks and said, if you cannot afford a lamb, you can bring two pigeons. Now, the kids, you know, kids would, would trap and snare them and sell them. We know that they sold two sparrows for a penny, right? That's what the Gospels tell us. And they would catch these doves and they would sell them also. And so that'd be much cheaper. So the Holy Family was not wealthy. So they would get at the presentation. They, would, they brought the two turtle doves, we're told in Luke, which gives us an indication that they they were not wealthy, but they but they still followed the law. And in Galatians chapter uh, four, verse four, it says, "In the fullness of time, God brought forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law." Which means that Mary and Joseph and Jesus were all in a total obedience to the law and the requirements of all the sacrifices and all the obedience to every statute. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, one of the last things to mention here. Uh, you know, asking about what it meant for Mary to be presented at the temple in the ways that you described, um, is that we know that Mary has some sort of interesting relationship or interesting idea of how her life is going to go based on some sort of kind of life plan, right? Even though she's betrothed to Joseph because she answers the angel's question. when She knows she's getting ready to be married, and when she's told by the angel, Gabriel, that she's going to bear a son and she acts confused about it, one of two things is going on there. Either nobody's had any kind of conversation with Mary about what happens when people get married and, like, have families. (laughs) Like, it shouldn't be surprising. Or she's got some sort of different understanding of how her life was going to be played going to play out based on some sort of promise or vow she's made 
Right. Every girl in Israel would want to be the mother of the Messiah. And the, the way normally a girl would have responded, the angel comes and says, you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. The answer would be, oh, that's wonderful. I'm already betrothed. The marriage is going to be finalized soon. And so my baby's going to be the king. That's wonderful news. Thank you very much, angel. But that's not what Mary says. Mary has a very relatively strange answer. She said, how can that be since I don't know a man? The implication is that uh, that I've pledged myself to a life of virginity. And this is, Joseph in many cases seems to be like a caretaker for Mary. Um, there's a good book out that I, I'll talk about that some other time. But but the fact is, is that Mary says, how will that be? Because I, I know not a man. So uh, that's a very strange answer for a girl who is going to supposedly be married and have children coming up. She would have answered quite differently. So it very much seems like Mary had already decided on a life of virginity. That was not an unusual thing at the time. There were uh, those who were uh, celibate, and Mary was one of them. Yes, indeed. Well, it's a great day to celebrate uh, the yes of the Blessed Mother, the Feast of the Presentation of the Virgin Mary, and of course a yes that we're, we're called to model and imitate uh, into the world. So thank you so much, Steve Ray. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. All right, we've got Catholic Convert linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris McGregor joins us next. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Sister Lucia Trainer of the Franciscan Sisters of the Eucharist. Catholic Radio is an apostolate that is immediate, interactive, effective, and worldwide. It stimulates listeners to follow the teachings of the Church, brings Scripture closer to us, helps those who wrestle with questions of conscience, and allows us to celebrate the joy of our faith every day. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. On the next More to Life, the gift of gratitude. As we prepare for Thanksgiving, call up and share what you're grateful for. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 
11 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has written a letter expressing deep reservations about the direction of the Catholic Church in Germany and their so-called synodal way. The Franciscans who care for the holy sites are appealing to the faithful to help them support the suffering Christians in the Holy Land. And former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing fine. Excited to talk to you about this week's selection from the Office of Readings. It's for the November 22nd Feast of St. Cecilia, Santa Cecilia, as they say in Italy. And she is rather significant saint to you, close to your heart, as a parishioner in the Archdiocese of Omaha. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I actually grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we have the the beautiful cathedral there. And a church is dedicated to St. Cecilia. And then you come to um, the uh, Omaha Archdiocese, St. Cecilia's Cathedral is so beautiful. Yes, it and is. Um, such a great saint. And the way you said that, it makes me sense that Santa Cecilia, maybe uh, you might have visited her home and residence in the Trastevere in Rome. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So my husband is uh, a musician and a singer. And so uh, when we were engaged, I got to go to Rome on a pilgrimage and uh, pray before her grave mm. to um, for him and um you know touched a rosary to her tomb and yeah it, it was it's powerful and beautiful beautiful church of uh, santa cecilia in trastevere um and your cathedral in omaha i have also been to super super beautiful so beautiful oh it is it is it's uh and it just had undergone a renovation, and it, uh, it it it's highlighted there by the great organ, which is the mm-hmm. the primary you know source for the Catholic worship and music and song and and um, just glorious. But you know the thing is, I, I do know Saint Cecilia Santa Cecilia. She wasn't necessarily known as a singer. A lot of times you right. see her in pictures with um, organs and lutes and things like that, but she probably didn't have those, right? Right. Well, yeah, that's true. And we actually don't, I don't think anyway, have anything written by St. Cecilia herself. And so when we look at the Office of Readings, we get this beautiful reflection from St. Augustine about singing. What does he have to say here? Well, nobody, um, I would have to say, unless you're a a professional singer, a lot of times when people hear about, well, you have to sing, they there's an immediate cringe. Ooh, mm-hmm. really? Paul Lockman turns off my microphone whenever I try to sing <laughs> on the show. Not Paul, no. Paul, uh, even Paul. Oh, man. <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what St. Augustine is telling us here, it's one of those adages that it's so important to sing, but to sing in, in a true, authentic way. A one that is filled with joy. You know, the, the what is it, the psalm, it's sing a joyful song unto mm-hmm. the Lord, and he reminds us of that. But it, it doesn't say perfect. It doesn't say a perfect song to the Lord. And that's why I keep telling the choir director at St. Stephen's My Church, please don't <laughs> keep putting me in the back. That's not fair. <laughs> like behind the tall guys. <laughs> well, that said, though, uh, Augustine does have some 
some tips here for those of us who who aren't exactly great at carrying a tune um, that that we do need to to have kind of a even if we're we're not great singers necessarily we do need to have a mindset that we are doing this for the Lord so we can't just like dismiss the idea of singing just because we're we're not great at it. Now he's talking about the origins of that song. And we're, you know, we've learned in the scriptures, and St. Augustine has taught throughout his writings, that that the place where prayer emanates is in the heart, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is praying with groans and moanings, right, and mm-hmm. in, in us and helping us to pray. And so our song really is a reflection of prayer. Our song is that if it's true and authentic, as he's talking about, it's not so much about the words it's about the intention of your heart. It's it's a uniting with God. So it becomes this joyful song because you're united with the one you love. And even St. Cecilia, the reason why, you know, um, it's said that she's the patron of musicians is because even after the horrific attempt, a horrific attempt to uh, decapitate her, as we will say, um, in her martyrdom, she it it wasn't successful and so for three days she laid in suffering and yet all the people around her were in um and already grieving and mourning and sorrowful and she was singing the psalms she was leading them in that because her heart it was coming from the deepest center of her and like saint augustine will say in this you get to a certain point where the syllables of words don't even matter Mm-hmm. What matters, they, they fall away until it's almost, uh, you know, this this joyful tune that comes from the 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 innermost self. So and I guess, you know, sometimes I still think of my kids when they were singing in the Christmas choir mm-hmm. long ago. There's, there's nothing more joyful than a bunch of kids. Yeah. Well, I was, the little ones. I was just thinking about my four-year-old trying to sing the Salve Regina in Latin. <laughs> Yeah. And there the way that he pronounces the Latin, um, uh, not exactly the correct words, shall we say, but but so beautiful to hear those little voices uh, sing out so so joyfully and and so boisterously, if if you will. But um, I want to go back to this idea of Saint Cecilia. I was thinking about mm-hmm. what what Saint Augustine has to say in here about these cries of jubilation to the Lord. And I think, man, what joy those martyrs must have had. You know, they're being killed for their faith. And yet I just imagine the joy that they have in singing for the Lord. Well, real quick, jubilation, it's meaning it's great happiness and triumph. Mm. That's the word, triumph, because they know their destination and they're there. St. Cecilia, pray for us. Amen. We've been talking to Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Great stuff over there, over at Discerning Hearts. And uh, Chris, thank you so much. And I hope you have a very beautiful and joyful feast of St. Cecilia. You too, my friend. And I won't end this with a hallelujah because I want it to be a happy ending. <laughs> For me, my, my version of it. Love it. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.